Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Women's soccer team lost. They're smelling themselves. They hadn't lost in, what, 44 games. Uh, Not only were they going to win the gold medal, there's a question of whether or not anybody would ever score a goal on them and Everybody went crazy when Sweden scored a goal on them yesterday, where Sweden scored a bunch of goals on them, and the United States didn't score any goals themselves. They lost. They're not out of the gold medal, but it's going to be a lot harder now. Yeah, especially losing 3-0, because the tiebreakers goals for and against. And so that they, if they end up tied with anybody, that could really uh, doom them. Certainly hope not. Don't we all need something positive, something to root for, something to cheer for these days? So, Senator, Senator, not Senator, Senator Marco Rubio slammed AOC earlier this week for her comments about Cuba. Now, do you know Marco Rubio's story? He ran for president and drank some water, and Trump embarrassed him, and he had to get out. But that's not the story I'm talking about. He, uh, his family comes from Cuba, so he's, uh, he's got a great interest in this whole thing. He's one of the you know many families that live in the United States that fled the, the oppressive, violent, hateful, evil uh, communist regime there in Cuba. And it really makes him crazy when people talk about Cuba as being some sort of socialist paradise, the way Bernie did briefly during the campaign. Remember when Bernie was on 60 Minutes? Oh, uh, they've got the highest literacy rate in the world, and blah, blah, blah. They've got medical care. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Bernard Sanders. Uh, Marco Rubio said of AOC and others, they don't know what they're talking about. All they know is they're just spewing off a left-wing talking point, because if you notice... They are the same people that say over and over again, it's always America's fault. Rubio, the son of Cuban immigrants and a Republican from Florida, told Fox News special report earlier this week. Um, AOC had come out. Uh, She had remained silent until Thursday when she issued a statement expressing solidarity with the Cuban people, which is nice, and condemning repression by the Havana government. She then turned her focus to the embargo, describing it as an absurdly cruel and the U.S. contribution to Cuban suffering. It is never acceptable for us to use cruelty as a point of leverage against everyday people, she said. There are only two embargoes here, Rubio said Monday. The embargo against government-owned companies and the embargo against the Cuban regime that the Cuban regime imposes on its own people. Right now, if an independent business operator and a small farm owner, if a consultant or an independent contractor in Cuba wants to do business with Americans, they can. There is no embargo. There are no government U.S. restrictions on that. It's the Cuban regime that doesn't allow it. And that's something that the left-wingers have never fully understood for some reason. Well, and, and to the extent that they do, they'd rather not say it because they have sympathies in that direction. Worth mentioning before we get to a really interesting clip from, I think it was the, uh, the, the pile of garbage that is CNN. Uh, hundreds of Cubans who took part in those street protests across the Caribbean nation last week, waving the flags, chanting freedom, chanting I am not afraid. Well, they're in jail now, and nobody knows where they are. Their families can't speak to them. There are no charges in most cases. Excuse me, they're just being detained by the police. Uh, Cuban police have arrested an estimated 500 demonstrators and activists. Uh, the conditions are nasty. Uh, families are lining up outside detention centers to figure out if their loved ones are there and to deliver clothing, toiletries, and food because there's no guarantee they'll be fed or anything like that. Uh, it is a repressive, totalitarian, socialist regime, and it is absolutely ugly. Uh, let's go ahead with, uh, this is Toulouse Alon, how do you pronounce his name? Alorunipa? 
or something like that on CNN. He's one of their go-to panelists. Uh, in clip 25, please, 25. The progressive wing of, of the Democratic Party does not want to go hard uh, against Cuba, against um, some of the things that uh, the Castro regime may have been a part of, in part because there are some Democrats, there are some progressives who, who uh, agree with some of those things. They agree with universal health care. They agree with some of the programs that were in place in a more socialist kind of uh, society. And uh, Joe Biden is trying to push against that. He's essentially trying to say, you know, we do not want our party to head in that direction because he saw what happened in South Florida in 2020. Right. Yeah, they, they, you know, the Democrats got their butts whooped, pr- primarily because there are so many Cuban-Americans who hear the promises of socialism and say, oh, no, 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 because we know where that goes. Which brings us to the question of socialism and communism and how one leads to the other and whether it has to or not. I am a firm, firm, firm believer that socialism always leads to totalitarianism. It just has to. Because if you're going to have everything organized by the government, by the bureaucrats, the central planners who will manipulate industries and and redistribute income, the rest of it, there are going to be certain numbers of people who say, no, this is unjust, this is wrong, this is immoral, I, I would rather have liberty, and you can't have that, or the system doesn't work. You have to beat them into submission to bring them this alleged worker's paradise. If we have to hang a thousand kulaks... That's uh, the famous uh, Lenin letter that was unearthed at some point where they were going around hanging farmers to try to get everybody to uh, go along with socialism. It'll work. We just might have to murder a whole bunch of people to get it to work. Right. And the fantasy is that you'll find human beings so wise and noble and strong that they will gain that control over everything. Because, again, you can't have a centrally planned uh, society where you allow dissent or it falls apart. But but we're going to find human beings so wise and benevolent and strong that they can be trusted with that sort of enormous power in this system. They won't and, take more than their fair share. Right. They're, 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 you know, who's the richest person in Venezuela? Hugo Chavez's niece or daughter or somebody, or, or, or I can't remember, his girlfriend. Anyway, oh, and two. Uh, yeah, they're not going to funnel the very limited, the increasingly limited uh, goods and services to their friends and cronies. Of course not. Just because it's happened every single time it's been tried doesn't mean it'll happen next time. Which in turn brings us to Orwell, who I'm fascinated by George Orwell. I would like to quit this stinking dead-end job and devote the rest of my life to studying George Orwell and reading everything he ever wrote because he was a dedicated socialist. I don't know if you knew that. And the point of much of his writing, Jack, feel free to agree, disagree, or amend. Uh, The point of much of his writing was showing his socialist brethren what the hazards were in their system and how they had to avoid them. George Orwell, just like Vin Scully. And who do you think is the richest person in Venezuela? The daughter of Hugo Chavez. Hello. Anyway, 0-2. We need more of that out of Major League Baseball. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Some good red meat conservatism at the ballpark. How about instead of, you know, you got a little, there are a lot of lulls in baseball. That's what makes a great announcer great. You know, filling in the lulls instead instead of, you know, uh, by the way, we'd like to remind you that Jim's Ford, Jim's Ford, always there for you when you need a Ford. You know, less of that and more uh, condemning socialism. (laughs) Right. And who do you think is the richest person in Venezuela? The daughter of Hugo Chavez. Hello. Anyway, 0-2. 
That one's high. It's going out of play. It's a foul ball. It's a one and two. AOC claims to be a socialist. She's raised $75 million in the last three weeks and is funneling that to her friends and relatives. And here's the pitch. And Guevara steps off the mound to talk to the manager. Uh, you remember Lenin's letter in which he talked about hanging a thousand kulaks to make socialism work anyway. Oh, and two. Remember, man. Oh, and two. Remember, a baseball team needs a manager, but an economy doesn't. Anyway, here's to the free market. Here's the pitch. So the, 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 I, I, and, and this could be a lack of understanding hello. of Orwell because, <laughs> hello, uh, because I haven't quit this dead end job to study Orwell, but he, he seems to me to have a remarkable blind spot because he's so brilliant and he foresaw so many things so clearly. And he was such a keen observer of humankind, yet he still thought yeah. central planning could be pulled off. Very confusing to me also. But here's a great a great quote for him. And I wonder I wonder if late in his life he began to despair about it. Anyway, he said the only thing for which we can combine is, uh, come together is the underlying ideal of socialism, justice and liberty. But it's hardly strong enough to call this ideal underlying. It's almost completely forgotten. It's been buried beneath layer after layer of doctrinaire priggishness, party squabbles, and half-back progressivism until it's like a diamond hidden under a mountain of dung. The job of socialists is to get it out again. Justice and liberty. Those are the words that have got to ring like a bugle across the world. I'd love to sit down with George, though, and say... How how can you have liberty and socialism in the same place? Yeah, I don't know. And uh, one of the greatest lovers of Orwell, writer-thinker Christopher Hitchens, who wrote a book about Orwell, Why Orwell Matters. It's a pretty good book. Christopher Hitchens stayed a um, at least a Trotskyist and somewhat of a socialist his entire life, even though he's got a chapter in his book in which he went to Cuba, uh, I think in the 60s as a young man, Part of the whole, you know, Workers of the World Unite went there to see the workers' paradise. And uh, he talks about how as soon as he got off the plane, they took his passport. And he thought, wait a second, why are you taking my passport? And quickly realized uh, what an what an awful situation Cuba was. And it was not even close to the workers' paradise he was hoping for. There was no freedom. There was no freedom of thought. There was no free speech. There was no free writing. There was no nothing. Yeah. Hello. But uh, now, some some of these really smart people continue to believe if it were just implemented properly, it would work. Well, yeah, how this, is that ever going to happen if you believe in human nature? If you've spent your life obsessing over this stuff like we have, this is old hat. But if you haven't, it's really it's quite a good metaphor. It's it's referred to as the the horse and rider um, uh, conundrum or, or point of view of socialism. Socialists, uh, central planners from AOC to, to Barack Obama to Bernie, uh, Bernard Sanders, uh, and, and others like them. They Bernard Sanders. The horse <laughs> of socialism. Why is that clip so funny? Is it, it's gotta be know. the old time, like, tone of the guys. Right? I don't Back know. Back when all announcers sounded like that. Bernard Phil, Sanders. Phil Donahue with his giant glasses. Exactly. Bernard Sanders. Anyway, the point of view is that the horse of socialism is a fine horse. We've just had the wrong riders. Mm-hmm. Lenin and Marx and well, Lenin and, and, and Trotsky and, and, uh, and uh, Stalin, wrong riders. Castro, wrong rider. Hugo Chavez, wrong rider. Wow. They just, 
Mao, Mao, well, every single friggin' one of them was just the wrong writer. But if we can manage it right, we can handle that sort of power and control. And we'll do it right this time. Just trust us. We'll we'll get rid of, of inequity. We'll get rid of income inequality. Watch we'll, me. We'll get rid of high class and low class. Just trust us. Then they run the horse into the ditch and kill a bunch of people every single damn time. So grown women can do what they want, obviously, but uh, we get a number of people weighing in on the, yeah, why do volleyball girls in high school wear their panties to play the sport? Who came up with this idea? And then why are they doing it in the Olympics? And this is a good idea. We got a couple of texts on that. It's kind of interesting. If you got any uh, point of view on that. Yeah, I don't. If I got a, if I got a sixteen-year-old girl playing high school volleyball, I'd, I'd, I'd at least one parent uh, meeting where they have about the team. Why do they have to wear their panties to play volleyball? It just seems kind of weird. They're kind of granny panties, but they are underpants. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, the, the 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 female volleyball, and now now we've learned about handball, which is different than volleyball. We got a text about that. Text line four one five two nine five KFTC. Anyway, zero and two. Volleyball uniform is a plot to keep trans women from taking over the game. That's kind of funny. We're talking about men's and women's sports, and somebody texted, Stop using gendered language. Please do not use gendered language to to address everyone. Sorry, sir. So uh, one of the players for one of the sports, they they didn't want to have to wear their underwear. Somebody just said, if I hear you guys say panties one more time, I'm going to throw up. I did become aware that women hate that word. Well, they do, but what, what's a better word for it? Because uh, I don't want to say underwear, because there are underwear that are not near as... That's like your date night sexy underwear that they're wearing to pay, play beach volleyball in, which is, which is interesting. Uh, great show as always, guys. I have a 16-year-old daughter who plays volleyball, runs track and cross-country, and plays water polo. If you think the volleyball uniforms are skimpy, you've never been to a water polo match. It feels wrong just being there with high school girls in what amounts to a G-string swimsuit. I've, I've not seen that. Well, and, and it's tough to keep your suit from climbing up you in water polo, too, if you're wearing a tight-fitting suit. We, um... And I will point out that the fellows wear spidos in that sport as well. We found out that there is something called handball. We were, at first, we thought it was like the way Europeans call soccer football, that maybe Europeans called volleyball handball. The hand, well, we got this text. Dopes. Thank you for the introduction. Dopes. Beach handball is a recognized sport. If Jack thinks beach volleyball is stupid, look into this. I believe it would be impossible to come up with a more stupid sport. Think of <laughs> soccer, another stupid sport, but you throw the ball rather than kick it. But we're dopes for not knowing this. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, girls' volleyball uniforms. Bikini bottoms were hot in their day, but these girls are at the beach wearing thongs. Maybe girls' volleyball needs to catch up with the current popular trend. I have noticed that. Um, we went to, been to a couple of different places. Thongs used to be, 
Like, you never would see a thong really out and about. And now it's like the common female swimsuit is the thong. You see them a lot. A lot. Like, it's it's troubling to me. All the high school girls are wearing thongs. And, and talking about uh, somebody saying there, you feel weird being there. I feel weird being there. Like, if I happen to look over there, ah, I shouldn't be looking at a 16-year-old's bare ass. I hope her dad didn't see me glancing yeah, over just, there. Look, I was just glancing. I, was just, I had no idea she was there, sir. It's weird. I mean, I hate to sound like, you know, old-timey, you know, skirts need to be down to the ankles guy, but why are we letting our children dress like that? Weird, man. You child. Yeah, I know. I know. For whatever reason, and I'm not sure exactly why, Sexual libertinism goes with every bloated, crumbling empire. It's almost always an aspect of it. Sexual mores break down, and, and people start just uh, fornicating like beasts. Yeah, that's the a part of the Roaring Twenties that doesn't get written about much. And I was just reading about that recently. Um, that, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, of promiscuousness going on in the Twenties that was unheard of, like in the Thirties and Forties. Was that a crumbling empire at that point, though? I'm not sure that fits. Uh, well, uh, decadence. The, uh, the the stock market was roaring, and everybody was feeling rich and comfortable and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It could be, you know, uh, God's up there saying, no, this is the way human beings have always behaved, always will behave. It's a cycle. It's like the deer that they uh, repopulate, then they overpopulate, then they get diseased and die, then they repopulate again. It's just, I don't know. Humans are a strange beast. So why are so many Republican leaders now saying get the vaccine all of a sudden? Uh, I don't know if they coordinated it or not. Even Hannity did. We'll, we'll tell you about that coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This is not complicated. Get vaccinated. Ignore all of these other voices that are giving demonstrably bad advice. Uh, I appreciate why some talk about mask mandate, but here's what frustrates me. Uh, that's not where the impact is. Our, our healthcare leaders in New York City say this very clearly. That might be marginally helpful. Not something to take off the table, but the impact is vaccination. It's, it's like, you know, why are we using yep. the thing that is only a marginal impact when you could go for the main event? You can still why the sideshow instead of the main event. There should be no mandates. There should be no vaccine mandates. There should be no mask mandates. We should respect individual liberty. And I, I am encouraging Texans and Americans to get vaccinated. But I also believe in individual liberty and responsibility. I think you're able to make that decision for yourself. You're able to look at the cost-benefit analysis and make a choice about whether getting vaccinated is a good idea. Please take COVID seriously. I can't say it enough. Enough people have died. We don't need any more death. Research like crazy. Talk to your doctor, your doctors, medical professionals you trust based on your unique medical history, your current medical condition, and you and your doctor make a very important decision for your own safety. Take it seriously. That last one got a lot of attention to Hannity saying take COVID seriously, get vaccinated on uh, Fox night before last, I think. 
Yeah, I guess Steve Ducey on Fox and Fiends in the morning was uh, pitching it pretty hard, too. And uh, Brian Kilmeade said, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, consider this. And it was it was funny. The New York Times was writing about the, the new trend in conservative media on Fox. Vaccination, please intensify. But skepticism persists. And they say it's mixed messages to say, yeah, you should get vaccinated, but there's individual choice and you make your own decision. How funny that they would, and I could read it to you, but that's more or less what they say. How strange that they consider any level of skepticism or questioning just as a free person saying all right are we sure it's safe can you tell me again about the studies they consider that improper which which betrays the fact that on the left and in the new york times they have a very propagandist view of information they think everybody has to be singing in chorus from the same hymnal or else there's something going on to ask reasonable questions to be skeptical is not a mixed message. That's an intelligent message. I think uh, I think there are a lot of conservatives who started to see the numbers that uh, one of the two big cohorts of people who aren't getting vaccinated are conservatives, um, the other one being black Americans. And they thought, you know, I think vaccination is a good idea. I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I, w- I don't want people to get sick. On the other hand, and we're not going to worry you out on the Chinese bat fever because we're all sick and tired of hearing about it. I did think this was really interesting. Ben Shapiro tweeted this out. Every day in the U.S., 1,800 people die of heart disease. Every single day. 1,640 of cancer. 470 by accident. 430 of chronic lower respiratory disease. 410 of stroke. 330 per day from Alzheimer's. Our seven-day rolling average of deaths from COVID in the U.S. is now 324. It's less than all of those things. That is a pretty good perspective. And are, we're altering society. We're talking about keeping the kids home from school. We're just we're limiting. We're mandating masks. We're closing this. And then no spectators for that. For a number that's a teeny tiny fraction of all those other leading causes of death, I think we've become obsessed And the other thing he tweeted that I thought was pretty interesting is we're looking at the U.K. chart of diagnosed COVID cases, which has skyrocketed since, uh, say, May the 1st. I mean, many multiples. Deaths are a tiny increase. Tiny increase. The seven-day average of cases is more than 45,000. The seven-day average of deaths is uh, 19. I'm sorry, the daily uh, deaths is 19. That's hard to read. Anyway, but the increase has been very, 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 very small. Now, it, it may rise again, but he's making the case, as many people have, most of the cases are young people, and they're not getting very sick. There are some people who are getting pretty damn sick, and if you're you know, over whatever age you think is appropriate, I would get the damn thing. I would get the vaccination, but it's up to you. Uh, I have to look into this. Justin David Chipman, Joe Biden's ATF nominee, labels American gun, gun owners as Tiger Kings preparing for a zombie apocalypse. Okay. Well, you're an idiot. I'm going to have to look into that. Uh, there's some audio on that, Hanson. Maybe grab that. It's at Disclose.tv, their Twitter feed, because that, that, if he said something like that, that's uh, I'm pushing back hard on that nominee. Um, Brisbane has just been selected to host the 2032 Olympics. Yes! Yay! If we still care about the Olympics, come 2032. Congratulations, Brisbaneites, who will now be uh, racked by financial difficulties in stadiums that later crumble. Uh, The General Secretary of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops 
had to step down this week. Any guesses as to why? You probably got a couple of guesses, and one of them would be right in this particular version. Uh, he was on Grinder, a homosexual hookup app, Grinder, on a near daily basis throughout 2018, 2019, and 2020, according to data that was uh, compiled. Mm. He was on Grinder every day for three years. And what was his gig again? He's the General Secretary of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Wow. A very high up person in Catholicism in the United States. And he was on Grinder nearly every day. I mean, so even th- you're not supposed to have sex uh, at all. Um, you're not supposed to be gay, I guess. Um, uh, but he's not even to that. He's like got to have gay hookups every day or be looking for them every day. Him. Yeah. And I'm guessing he's not a young man either. For years. For years. I don't care who you are. If you're the the local butcher, if you're on Grinder every single day or or Tinder for heterosexual hookups every day, uh, you might want to take a look at your lifestyle. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. It the guy's is got crazy. a compulsion. Obviously, it, it, it's it's really interesting that so many of these people, and I'm pro Catholicism, pro God, pro church, all this sort of stuff, but they got a serious problem, and I think they're doing. They have been doing a terrible job of dealing with it, and apparently still are. But. Not only do they get people that can't satisfy satisfy the iffy vow of celibacy uh, and being straight. I mean, they're like way, way out there from even like, you know, I, I know plenty of gay men. I doubt any of them are on Grindr every day for years. Right. Right. I mean, so it's it's wild, isn't it? So do the, does, does being a Catholic priest attract people at the very edge of sexual behavior or do they become that way over time from um, being having to be celibate or they're surrounded by other people the culture is that or i've always wondered that yeah i wonder if it's some of each i don't know um, because a lot of these people are at the very edge of sexual behavior like the outer limits Right. Well, and and I know some people argue. I, mean, I don't have a firm opinion on this stuff. I, I don't think about it much. But there are some people who argue that if you are denied satisfaction for virtually the most basic human urge, you will find a way to express it. And if you're not allowed to, uh, if, if, if you have to make sure nobody knows that you're having sexual activity, you will pick a quote unquote partner who's not going to say anything. Which in many cases is children or anonymous hookups or whatever. Hmm. I mean, because the one thing that is absolutely precluded, you can't do, is a healthy, open, adult sexual relationship. So you go into the shadows. Interesting. I've always thought it's weird and, so and, then and are, perverse and wrong, but, you know. So your argument would be that we're all capable of that uh, very extreme sexual behavior if we're uh, oh, no. d- denied sex? No, I wouldn't say that. I would just say that if you put uh, people, you put a thousand people in that circumstance, a certain number will go that route. Mm-hmm. Whether it's uh, youngsters who aren't going to talk or, or, um, or you know, secret hookups or what have you. I also believe there are a certain number of pedophiles who get into positions of leadership in the Catholic Church uh, and youth yeah. sports, uh, become uh, uh, gymnast uh, doctors 
or whatever. They're they're predators, and I despise Boy those Scout people leaders. Yeah, because as a, a volunteer with youth in in many capacities throughout the years, we all who who just loved kids and wanted to help mentor them had to jump through all sorts of hoops and adhere to all sorts of really insulting rules to make sure we weren't molesting the children. Because of the predators. But anyway, it's an interesting question. And you know, that thought just flipped into my head. How do you like this idea? I was, I've been following all sorts of conflicts in all sorts of churches. Just, I don't know. The headlines catch my eye. I read about them. I think every church, every church organization ought to disband itself every 25 years. The Presbyterian Church USA, which I think is the branch of Presbyterianism I grew up going to church under, 25 years, 50 years, whatever you want. It's, as soon as you hit that 50 years, everybody has a party, you shake hands, you hug, you cry, and you disband it. And then you got a bunch of Presbyterian churches around the country, and, and you, if you want to form an organization to help everybody you know, in the way that uh, denominations do, go ahead, start again. But do not make a, a bureaucracy, in essence, that endures for, for decades and decades and centuries, because it will become sick, it will cease to, to uh, fulfill its mission, it will become a parody of itself. You could have piggybacked this from the socialism discussion of last, uh, last hour. It just seems to be human oh, yeah. nature. If, you, if you're going to put somebody who's in charge of, for instance, the money, somebody who's in charge of all that money for decades, it would seem that human nature leads people down a bad path. Right, right. Then you get the iron law of bureaucracy, the short version. Every organization starts out with a purpose, and before long their purpose becomes protecting the bureaucracy, and they work for that all the time. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, any comments on that? Text line 415-295-KFTC. 415 415- I'm sorry, go ahead. 415-295-KFTC. Did we get more comments on why high school girls wear underpants to play volleyball? (laughs) If you want to uh, comment on that, text line 415-295-KFTC. I want to nail down whether or not uh, Biden's nominee to be in charge of alcohol, tobacco, and firearms is as anti-gun as that headline sounds. We'll, uh, We'll nail that down for you, too. Armstrong and Getty. So in hour four, we're going to have to get into BuzzFeed News had an interesting story yesterday. All the details of the supposed plot, the alleged plot. I think the plot actually happened. But how much did the FBI lead these bearded lunatics down the road to the kidnapping of a, of a governor in Michigan? That whole story. Hmm. Um, and we've been talking about this in recent weeks. You know, where does it cross the line of FBI uh, infiltrating a group of wrongdoers and letting them get how far down the road before they arrest them and that whole thing? It's really interesting from a from a freedom law enforcement standpoint. Um, we'll get into that more next hour. This story is kind of breaking. Biden's nominee to run the alcohol, alcohol tobacco and firearm agency, ATF. Guy named Don't they it. throw explosives in these days now? Alcohol, tobacco, farms are and explosives? Yeah, Is it ATFE? So. Well, no, I don't know, but they've thrown in explosives lately. I don't know why. And questioning? ATFEQ? <laughs> uh, David Chipman is his nominee, 
And uh, this is kind of breaking news because he just said this. Oh, what clip is it uh, there, Hanson? Or who's playing it? And so in their mind, uh, they might be confident. They might think that they're diehard, ready to go. But unfortunately, they're more like Tiger King. And uh, they're putting themselves and their families in danger. And so what I would suggest is for those people who were first-time gun owners, if they did go out and buy a gun, um, I would secure that gun locked and unloaded and hide it behind the cans of tuna and beef jerky that you've stored in a cabinet and, um, you know, only bring that out if the zombies start to appear. Um, And I don't think they are. Well, a very condescending tone from the nominee to run ATF about all the first-time gun owners that there are in this country because we've been setting records month after month after month after month after month for people buying guns, and lots of those are first-time gun owners. And you know why people are buying so many guns? Because the government has made it clear from the federal level down to your local police department that they don't really have any interest in stopping mobs from robbing your business or your home when it comes down to it. Yeah, one or two criminals, we'll deal with them. But if it's lots and lots of criminals and gets really dangerous, we won't deal with them at all. So, no, no zombies at all, sir. None. Wow, that was really condescending. I you think could so people... convey that same, the idea he was trying to convey without that condescension. He he was dripping with it. Oh, yeah. These uh, tiger kings who are getting guns. and uh, they're, 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 well, Play the beginning of that, just like the first 20 seconds. And so... In their mind, uh, they might be confident. They might think that they're diehard, ready to go. But unfortunately, they're more like Tiger King. And F uh, you, dude. That's all I need to hear. F you, dude. I don't need to hear from some bureaucrat uh, about whether or not I'm prepared to deal with crime that you have no interest in stopping. Right, some F bureaucrat you. from one of the most expensive zip codes in America where there is no crime. Right, exactly. Right. Who, yeah. I guarantee you, lives in a gated community, might even have private security at this point in his life. Um, uh, yeah, whatever, dude. Uh, I got more here. Senator Tom Tillis says Chipman is wrong for the ATF. I'll read some of his quotes here. This is just handed to me. Uh, Chipman has been on the wrong side of every debate about the Second Amendment, Amendment, and if confirmed, he would implement a radical gun control agenda the Democrats couldn't otherwise pass. This is written by Senator Tom Tillis. For example, in advocating for background checks, Chipman implied the background checks could be used as a way to arrest people before committing crimes. On top of that, Chipman has also said under oath that the federal government should require the registration of all existing assault weapons, using that stupid term, and ban the future manufacture and sale of assault weapons. Yet, during a hearing to consider his nomination before the Senate Judiciary Committee, he refused to define assault weapon. Oh, he was that guy. Yeah, I heard that when he was questioned about that, and he wouldn't... He said he was he was against assault weapons, and they should be illegal, and then wouldn't define them. He said, I'll leave that up to the courts. Well, you just said you're against them, so you obviously have an idea of in your mind what you're talking about. You can't be against something and not have a definition of it in your own mind. That doesn't make any sense. And what's said in this hearing doesn't become law. Tell us your opinion. Tell us what should be included. Go ahead. Uh, In one interview, he stated that only a small percentage of people with a concealed carry license are trained, calling everyone else untrained or irresponsible. How are we supposed to entrust enforcement to our nation's gun laws to someone who has no trust in Americans and their constitutional rights? Yeah, I'm not interested in your opinion on how well-trained I am. It's a constitutional right, uh, period. 
God, this is this is a troubling nominee. Uh, there's a certain part of me that thinks if there is a zombie apocalypse, I just let them bite me just right out the gate. I mean, because I don't have nearly enough ammunition stockpile to take on like a big horde of zombies. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, there, there's all kinds of things that go with a zombie apocalypse. This conversation came up with my uh, my sons the other the other night. Sure. What are we going to do if there is a zombie apocalypse? And Feel I, free to call me if you ever need another perspective. Uh, and my kids are 9 and 11-year-old boys, so they're, they're like really in the sweet spot for having this sort of a conversation. Ding! And uh, and I said, to call Stephen, my friend Stephen. He is, and he's told me this before, and it's true. He is the absolute first person I call in a zombie apocalypse. He's just one of those people that's, like, handy with everything. He could get any old car started anywhere and siphon gas out of something and fashion something out of this to get anything mechanical going. Your air conditioner, yeah, he's MacGyver. And so, yeah, so I, I somehow get a hold of him. He's my zombie apocalypse call. Right, right. Well, you could be as uh, you could ride shotgun, as it were. Now, is and, he's, the... and he's often said in the past, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "I'm going to make witty comments on the news of the day because that's <laughs> what I do." Hey, you can keep a lookout. <laughs> a steady hand. You got guns. Uh, is he the guy who had the get in the middle of a lake theory of zombie apocalypse uh, survival? I don't remember. That's a, that's an interesting idea. Oh yeah, surround yourself with water. Mm. Get provisions, weapons uh, to last you months. And... Just float. I couldn't know less about zombies. Anyway, we'll keep our uh, eye on this David Chipman guy and see if he can be kept from ending up running that organization because he doesn't sound like if you are a gun owner or want to be a gun owner, he's the kind of guy you want in charge of this stuff. No, indeed. Armstrong and Getty.